Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. How are you, you cock-chuckling thundercunt? Um, we're not starting with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. We're not starting with that. Imagine someone <clears throat> just press play and they've got a coffee and they hear that and they're just like... <laughs> just yeah, coffee. it's like I did a... Um, I did a talk yesterday for a company for mental health, and yeah, they were plugging the the this you know co-host of the Woke Blokes podcast. I imagine this is the first episode they tune into, and the first <laughs> words they hear a cock juggling thunder cunt. <laughs> you said we could do whatever we wanted. I thought it was a perfect way to start. Should I? Should I put this in the show? Well, just leave it running. <laughs> All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Woke Blokes podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Hassan, joined by Nick Sutherland. Nico, how are you, and what have you been up to this past week? What's the news? Uh, What's news? Um, Corona's sort of starting to relax a bit, so people are starting to get out of their little isolation bubbles. Um, I'm off to the city tonight. I'm staying in the city and yep. going out for dinner. So oh, beautiful. It's a bit exciting. So I think people are really excited about crea- creating some normality and it's going to be a di- different to pre-corona because they're trying to take the learnings and the lessons out of corona. You know, a lot of people really loved slowing down and being still and not being in such a rush. So um, I guess I'm seeing lots of people... C- creating a new normal for themselves um which is, right. which is really nice interesting and so what's the deal there you're allowed into like eating in restaurants but there's only a certain amount of numbers yeah allowed yep. yeah right okay yep. so it's just restrictions are slowly coming off um and i've been off social media but apparently a um, african-american dude in the states got killed and yes um and so America apparently is just in crisis, uh, riots everywhere, and there's all these protests everywhere, um, and there's one in Melbourne tomorrow, and my girlfriend and I were thinking of going, but then I said, well, don't we have a social responsibility? Like, there could be anywhere from 20 to 80,000 people, and we've spent months in isolation and lockdown, all that could be for nothing and be undone with one protest march. Yeah, you no, know, it's so very interesting. Y- yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to try and save that and harm something else or change that, and in doing so, harm another part of society. Yeah, so it's no, a tough it's, one. It's it's super um, interesting to watch because yeah, there's like these riots and protests in massive numbers over there, and it's funny with the, you know, how much the media and the news influence what people think about. And I know, like, over in America, like, people are just half forgetting about coronavirus now <laughs> because all the news is on this this newest thing that's come up, you know, which is a horrible occurrence. And, you know, the, I saw the video early on and, and, yeah, this cop, you know, just put his knee on the back of this guy's neck and kept it there for however long, 10 minutes or so until he died. It's horrible. And it was all for, like, a using a counterfeit $20 bill or something. Um, and then that's obviously triggered, you know, this long-standing oppression and everything and uh, stigma around black people uh, around the world. And um, but these, and then it's funny because we, not funny, but we have these, these big protests that go on. 
So people marching in massive numbers. Whenever something like that happens, the subject, the, the portion of the community that does see this as an opportunity for the police being distracted and to cause crime, they come out. So that's where the protests, the riots come along in conjunction with that. And the police have to try and control the riots and then be peaceful with the protesters. And there's videos come out of them not doing that. And it's um it's a real mess at the minute. But um, you know, if we can get to a place where there's less racism and oppression, it's it's that's the goal, I suppose. Yeah, but but do you, does it does change need to happen? Does violence and discord and anarchy need to be part of the change process? Like it's it's a really interesting one. Of course, there needs to be change around how you know African Americans are treated, and Indigenous people all around the world are treated, mm. um, especially in Australia as well and South Africa. But does the does you know because Rodney King died and then there was massive riots after that nothing really changed mm. so it's uh how do we affect change in a really constructive way and is that possible like can we do it peacefully well it's so yeah it's so hard because for the saying that these big groups and people are getting together and trying to share a message and peacefully protest but the issue is when these peaceful protests take place all the people who aren't so much fighting for a cause, they're literally looking for an opportunity to uh, loot places because the police are distracted, <laughs> that they come in conjunction with that. And then the news yeah. focuses on all the rioting, right? And so then it becomes like this, the story is mainly about the rioting when initially I think it was just people wanting to peacefully protest that things need to change. So that's why it's just, it's interesting to watch. To me, looking at it, it's just another byproduct of lo- us living in such large, massive global societies, where people mm. of numbers and it's it, like I was watching like I think it was yesterday because um, on Tuesday a lot of people to, to raise awareness were doing Blackout Tuesday which is just po- posting a black square on social media and it, many people were doing it like my feed was just black square so it's just, just an awareness thing and then right. apparently that was now I'm not deep into this because I don't spend a lot of time delving into it but from what I saw you know that was to do with the Black Lives Matter movement in the states but then some information came out that black lives matter was funded by someone else so there's all these conspiracies and everything start whether it's true or not so then all this backlash people were hating on the people that were posting the black square who were trying to raise awareness and it's like i'm just watching this going we can't get on in these big groups because people they have to find an opposing opinion even if two people are on the same side when you get to a certain amount of numbers people just start arguing and um, forgetting what they're fighting for and, but as soon as it turns violent, as soon as it turns into riots, you've made it about you instead of about the actual cause. Mm. You know, you, you're not you're not fighting for the cause. You're fighting because you want to be angry and you want to hurt someone. So you're actually making it about you instead of yep. the 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 issue that needs yes. changing. So yeah, it's an it's it's just it's. It's so interesting to sit and observe the human nature. You know, everyone goes back to their base animal human nature, and it's just we go back to pack mentality, and it goes back to, you know, a lot of the people that get caught up in these rights and everything wake up the next day and go, "What the fuck happened? Did I really do that?" Like they literally lose their minds. Mm. They they, you know, and and a mob that big creates an energy, and mm. and people get swept away in that energy so easily. Yeah. So, 
people in like the soccer riots and that kind of thing. And yeah, you hear those reports. Person, very peaceful person who's never been in a fight in their life. But when there's this energy of this thing going on, they're picking up chairs. Ah, and they're like, they get taken over by the energy. It's like on the other end of the spectrum, there's this video. I don't know if you saw it around a year or two ago. Uh, of this person and I don't know if they're at a festival or where it is but it's a large group of people and this one person everyone's sitting on the ground one person gets up and just starts dancing and like everyone starts looking at them like oh they're a bit weird and they just keep dancing and then eventually one person joins in and then two and then all the everyone's just dancing and even the people who originally were like looking at them like oh, I'd never do that what a weirdo they're up dancing because yeah. that energy just keeps building and building and building that's awesome I've seen it on a train, a similar thing. They did a social experiment and filmed it, and one person started laughing on the train and laughing hysterically, and then turned and started nudging the person next to them, and they started laughing at the person laughing, and then the person over there started laughing. And all, a couple of minutes, the whole carriage was yeah. pissing themselves laughing at just nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing. But it was yeah. it, it, it's an amazing example of how powerful that energy is and if you come at something with a destructive energy it's gonna go into violence it's gonna go into harm it's gonna go into because you're not only hurting others you're also hurting yourself you know on a a deeper level so being i guess transferring this to the listeners and what they can take out of it it's it's really important to to check where you're coming at things from what energy are you bringing and a good a good way to visualize that and check in on it is to just imagine there's this ripple effect coming out of you and just imagine whether it's red or whether it's green and so whenever you're going into a situation you go into work what what would color would my energy ripple effect be would it be green and healthy and positive or would it be red and angry and destructive and that's that's going to come from whatever's happening in you yeah 100 percent. there's a um, I've been chatting about this with clients yesterday and it probably a bit of an add-on from last week but a, a quick little one that is very powerful so you are holding a cup of coffee when someone comes along and bumps into you making you spill your coffee everywhere why did you spill the coffee what would you answer why did you spill the coffee yeah um well, so you're standing there holding a cup of coffee, someone comes yeah, up and yeah. bumps into you, coffee spills out, why did you spill the coffee? For me, it's like a, non, a non-question because the coffee spilled, I don't really need to know why. But let, no, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll say that because like, the person bumped into me. Yeah, which is the most common answer. But you spilled the coffee because there was coffee in the cup. Right. So... If Had there been tea in the cup, you would have spilled tea. Had there been water, you would have spilled water. The point is, whatever is inside the cup is what will spill out. Therefore, when life comes along and shakes you or bumps into you, which will happen, whatever is inside you will come out. So it's easy to fake it until you get rattled. So we have to ask ourselves, what's in my cup? When life gets tough, when what spills out? Is it joy, gratitude, peace and humility or does anger, bitterness, harsh words and resentment come out? So you get to choose and it's, it's you know, I could be, you and I could be standing there with a cup of coffee each and someone bumps into both of us and if I have got empathy and kindness and compassion, my reaction will be, oh, are you okay mate? 
it won't be about the coffee. But if you have had a bad day, you're in a shitty mood or something, something bumps into you, you'd be like, fuck Ed, what are you doing? Why'd you do so, that to me? Yeah, exactly. Take it personally. So, yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, I think uh, so. Imagine twenty thousand people all protesting. Have all got individual cups. The majority of those cups aren't. I don't think will be filled with gratitude and compassion and kindness. Mm. Yeah, so, no, I, I totally agree, and that's why these talking about the group energy, like a lot of you know group and mass. Uh, meditations uh, have been some studies have been really interesting like people thousands and thousands of people that gather together just to simply sit and meditate for the purpose of peace and harmony you know you'll find in those cities crime will drop (laughs) for the period that they're doing it which is fascinating now the issue with that is when they stop the numbers tend to go back up so I think this is about really integrating that into our state of being but it's a really um, important thing to note because yeah it's the getting together with an intention yeah, but we are all just energy. We're all vibrating at a certain frequency. And um, I think if we can do more to check in on our energy and to make sure our energy is coming from a, a healthy, happy space, you know. Um, oh, S.N. Goenka, the dude that um, spread Vipassana across the world, he did an amazing... Um, speech at the UN it's on my website actually and but basically said before we can have peace on earth we need to have peace within ourselves Mm. and and that's so true we can't have peace out there while we're all walking around with anger within us it just doesn't the math doesn't add up it's yeah like I could not agree with that statement more it's just it's so true we people just want to go out and fight for things and 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 change the world which there's nothing wrong with but not until we've cleared out our own internal state you want to change the world start by changing yourself because that does change the world exactly exactly um yeah the funniest just yes just to finish up on that topic the main thing that got me yesterday there's like a page on instagram it's like the seinfeld daily just has a little funny seinfeld uh, you know one little part of an episode and um they just posted the black square and then i just saw someone had commented and they're like how you know how in um irresponsible of you to you know support this movement because don't you know it's funded by i don't even know who the fuck it was someone blah 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 anyway they're just on this bloody rant and then the seinfeld daily just replied and said i hope you care and are as passionate about racism in, and inequality as you are about me posting a black square on my Instagram page. <laughs> Which is just, you, they just lost sight <laughs> of yeah. like anything to do with the bigger picture and just went, you know, you need to be doing something different. So, uh, yeah. But is it people, negative people will find a problem for every solution. Yeah. Yeah, their uh, yeah. reticular activating system is set up to find those, that negativity mm. and they will yeah, find it because it's out there. So is the positivity yes. though. Yay! Uh, today, we are talking about the therapeutic process. We want to really break down what it takes for someone to come to the realization they need to reach out for help. Then, what actually reaching out for help looks like. You know, what getting in touch with someone looks like. What a session looks like. Because we've had you know past clients and everything on the show before, and they've spoken about their journey. And I think people have found it very beneficial, especially those stages of trying to work out when they need to get help, and then what actually reaching out looks like. Because people have so many blocks 
to uh, being vulnerable enough to reach out. So we think if me and Nick can talk about from a client perspective, but then also from a practitioner perspective, what the whole process is like, it can bring some more understanding and a lot less fear around that process. That's it. The whole purpose of this podcast is to try and facilitate change um, and to give people some tools and resources to help them to just feel a bit happier. But there are... Fear is such a big barrier, such a big obstacle. So I wanted to make today's podcast about this topic so we can sort of drop the veil a bit and reveal uh, behind the scenes, you know, what what is it the therapists do as well. So um, create less of the unknown, make it a bit more understood for people out there listening, realise it's because there's so many people have so many negative experiences with going to therapy and the whole word therapy has such a negative connotation to it as does mental health um as soon as people say therapy or mental health people's minds automatically go to suicide depression anxiety uh, bipolar schizophrenia suicide it's all it's, it's just surrounded with this really negative sort of energy yeah so, so the energy's kind of something's wrong yeah on yeah. a just wrong, wrong, wrong. Something's wrong that needs to be fixed. Yeah, but the, the weird thing is no one... Re- I mean, some men do, older generations, but these days, you know, you're hurting physically. There's no barrier to going and seeing a doctor. It actually makes sense. Okay, I'm going to go and get some help because this is hurting. Well, our emotions are exactly the same. And as I said to you, I've reframed it for my clients and because I've shifted into more psycho-education, trying to empower people to not get as hurt emotionally. Um, My whole thing is people need educating, not therapy. Now, yes, life does still happen to us, and yes, we do get hurt and injured emotionally. We do stand in some healing, so that is part of the process. Um, A lot of people, I think the biggest... Tom asked me this on his podcast, Tom Ahern, and he, he said... Where's the, um, we spoke about it um, last week. You know, we're going to stop people falling into the river. Um, and Tom said, where, where did, "Where's the line between letting people suffer because there's so much value in it and and keeping them out of harm's way?" And I think I've landed on we're all going to suffer to a degree. We're all going to mm. experience negativity. the The issue comes in when people remain stuck in it year after year after year after year. So something happened in 1994, 2014. You're still being severely affected by it. That's where I guess you could call it therapeutic intervention or healing needs to come in. I'd I'd call it just freeing someone from that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, so sometimes clients come in and they need to be freed from an experience to many different degrees. But for me, it's more important now to teach people how to manage what's going to happen in the future Mm -hmm. and not be as affected by all of that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think like it's it's a massive combination of these things. It's like if I'm still stuck in the past and playing out patterns, I need to go back and address why and let it go. But then also I, I need to then start to just focus on what am I doing in the present and the future and have those tools. Because otherwise I'll just, like I say this to clients all the time, it's like if we can clear up all the baggage from the past, 
But if we don't have the tools to manage ourselves, we're just going to accumulate more. It's like, I don't want to fucking see you in 10 years. Like, oh, I'd, love, I'd like to see you. I'd like to catch up. I'd like to catch up. We can go and have a beer and a chat. But I don't want to see you because you're in the same place that you were when you came in um, a couple of months ago or however long it was. That's, that's why I completely changed my business model two years ago or however long it was because I realized I was helping people to get out of their suffering, but I wasn't changing or helping them to change the way that they perceived life events. Mm. So because they were using the same patterns and same filters and same thinking styles, they'd go back into their suffering and come back in next time life happened and, oh, Nick, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck, I'm suffering. Mm. So it just made sense to me to go, right, well, shit's going to continue to happen. Let's just give you ways to you know, learn how to surf those waves instead of getting drowned by them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I agree with you with, you know, at what point do we draw the line? It's like people are, humans are going to suffer. Like, <laughs> that's, I can't see just humans not suffering at all. It just seems to be part of the, the experience. It's the first but, noble truth in Buddhism, to live is to suffer. As soon as Buddha, you have choice, you have Buddha, suffering. Buddha was on point. <laughs> yeah, preference. Suffering. As soon as there's preference, there's suffering. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, exactly. So if we look on a on an individual scale, so let's say... And this is just arbitrary numbers, but like you said, instead of someone holding on to something for 20 years, they hold on to it for 10. You know, and that might even become five and one. But let's say it goes from 20 to 10. It's like, well, that's great for that person because they've avoided 10 extra years of suffering in this particular area of their life. But then if you look at a scale of all of humanity, what if all of humanity did that? I mean, the, 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 we would grow so much faster. We're already growing in our, in our consciousness very fast, but the group conscious will keep growing uh, exponentially if we keep giving people the tools and the resources to do so. Yeah, uh, I talk to clients about you know, suffering and then unnecessary suffering, and I'm just trying to eradicate all the unnecessary suffering. I wouldn't be who I am today without my suffering. You know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the, the therapist I am without my suffering. So there's so much value and it's, it's a very important part of my life journey. Mm. But it's, I'm only the way I am because I haven't been stuck in it. I've learned from it. I've grown from it. I've used it. And so now I talk to clients about whatever happens, we need to have an emotional response that's in proportion to what we've experienced. So, for instance, a, a farmer up in New South Wales yesterday, um, he's doing a monthly maintenance program, and I said, how's your month been? He's like, yeah, had an interesting couple of days there for a while. Like, you know, they've had four years of drought and then just floods lately, so one end of the spectrum to the other, and he, he had to plant seeds in one of his paddocks over a crop that would had rotted because there was too much water and he couldn't get, get out to harvest it. So he said it was like there was... $500,000 worth of, you know, he was just visualizing these notes, money all over this field, and he was just driving over it, planting new crops in it. And he said, I really had to work hard not to go into this is fucked and pity party and, you know, shaking his fist at Mother Nature and everything. And he said it took him a couple of days. And I went, well, that's. In terms of what we've done, that's still success. You are still human. You are still going to experience emotions, but um, you maintained that going to constructive thinking, taking the hard path, etc., um, and you did reframe it in your head. But 
it wasn't just $20 that you lost out of your wallet, which would have been a very small attachment, would have been like a cotton thread. I said, this was $500,000, and it was like a steel cable. That was that was what mm. your attachment to that was like. So it's going to take you a much longer time to cut through that attachment, which is the, the root cause of the suffering. So it's going to take you three days. So in, in, in that regard, you did an amazing job because he was mm. sort of wondering, should, it, should I have... You know, been able to get over it quicker. I'm like, no, you took you took exactly the right amount of time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. What what you're saying about like this just made me think, like you're you had to go through your suffering in order to be the person that you are today. And we, you know, and I'm the same, yeah. you know, and we both of us we don't yeah. have any regrets and we're like everything happened just how it should. And then I'm like, but I I'm pretty sure we'd be saying the same thing. Like let's say that I had my epiphany and turned my life around years before, you know, before I got so deep or I turned around years after and I went through way more and I spent all this time in jail and all this stuff happened. Um, we'd still kind of be saying the same thing, the same for you. And then the, yeah. I, I think like, what, is, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> what does that mean? So like, should it like, even though there's no regrets, like I think if we turned around years before and the suffering was less, um, would we still know what we know now though and I, yeah. I think what makes us f- effective therapists and we're going to talk about this later is the fact that we have that lived experience we've been at rock bottom we've been where a lot of our clients have been so and that uh, I don't know we're, we're probably more not genuine or authentic but we're, we're coming at it from that different space if, if I hadn't have hit rock bottom and I had have just sort of had a little dip I don't know if I'd be as effective as I am now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's Would it's you? it's just I don't know because yeah. that that version of me. Let's say that multiverse theory is correct, and there's all infinite versions of us living in infinite realities. Then there is versions of us who've been through that, and so it's like they'd probably be saying, you know, I'm in the I'm in the perfect situation to do what I'm doing now, whether it be the same thing or something different. It's just. It's interesting to think about when we say like people need to suffer and how much and where do we draw the line. I'm just kind of thinking that we obviously think that we've been through the right amount of suffering to do what we're doing now, but we probably also think that if that suffering was less or yeah. more. In a parallel universe, yeah. I, I just relate it back to reincarnation. So for me, it's all karma and um, it's what my soul has meant to experience in this incarnation of, of life and I've had to learn a lot of lessons and I've had to learn a lot the hard way and through lots of difficult experiences and so perhaps my next life uh, it, it may not be as challenging but I will still retain all of this knowledge and information and take that into the next life yeah yeah and then so what are your thoughts around this this chat that you started with Tom like because it sounds like if we if we resign ourselves to the fact that all humans are going to suffer, does that mean we just sort of go, all right, let's just let you know karma and dharma play out and 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 not help? No, because we are compassionate beings, so we don't like seeing people in suffering. So right. when we do, it's our natural instinct to help and to reach out. Um, but I think what we need to learn to do as therapists is to not take over and not pull the people out, 
but just gently guide them out and you know give them the tools to start digging their own way out we can't do it for them um Mm. and and as i said i've just i've just framed it in terms of necessary and unnecessary suffering so there's your necessary suffering here's some tools to to work that and to manage it and to reduce it next time but yeah here's here's a way out of your unnecessary suffering as well which does just help for everyone's evolution and whether I'm the same as you I believe we're here for some sort of lessons for the evolution of our soul whether you think we're just here for the one time as a human we're still here and evolving and it's like when we reduce that suffering it means we can overcome whatever challenge we're faced with faster and all that means is we get to go to the next challenge because like people have this idea in their head that I just want to get to the point where I have no problems I'm like well when you're dead you'll have no problems because <laughs> life's you're about it disappear in a cloud of glitter then that's enlightenment <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um so that's like if, if we shorten the period of suffering with whatever the uh problem we're presented with then we overcome that problem and get to the next one so instead of laboring on a problem uh, a current problem for 20 years we might be able to get through four or five and all of a sudden we just keep evolving as we tackle bigger and bigger problems that's the thing the problem's never what we think the problem is it's not that we didn't get what we wanted or it's not that someone said something negative towards us or anything like that that's that's problematic on a surface level the problem is our inability to continue moving forward and not take it personally or to overcome or maneuver around or work our way through whatever it is that's put before us and go back into talking about trust as well from last week it's I think if we can lean in and start trusting ourselves a bit more instead of I can't do this I hear I hear that so many times these everyone's carrying around these massive too hard baskets that they're so quick to put everything into no I can't do that I don't know how to do that of course you don't you don't know how to do it until you know how to do it but you're not ever going to know until you you know, get out there and give it a crack so in terms it's of so, oh, it's so true we have this thing as a culture where we have to be good at everything like it's and I had this when I was a kid like we'd, we'd try all these different sports and whatever sports I wasn't good at immediately I would quit and I was yeah. speaking to this about a client last week and she was having similar thing it's like if I'm not immediately you know an expert then I'm no good and I'm like do you understand how irrational that is you you want to bypass the learning process of becoming an expert and just be one straight away and now we apply to that with like your the the farmer you know doing that really hard you know mental yeah. rep and people learn these things about mental and emotional health and just want to be an expert straight away and be enlightened and I'm like man that's that's not it's not going to happen we just want to gra- we need to gradually learn and get better and better and that's what the process is and you and I are still on same, that process the same thing with relationships people are so quick to throw away a relationship they just expect it to be smooth sailing and good and nice and they want all the nice bits but they're not prepared to do what it takes to actually build and create a really strong resilient healthy loving relationship so yeah such a discarders these days and did you just use the term mental rep before i think so you said uh, with the farmer doing the mental rep yes i'm getting into your head (laughs) yes yeah i'm doing mental reps about mental reps (laughs) (laughs) no it's 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 a great analogy yeah i i just like the the any, any analogy that we can use with like physical health 
to mental yeah. health. It just helps people understand. Like we've spoken about on the show before about, you know, if we see someone's got a fucked leg and they're limping, that's very visible. We can see that. If someone's got a, a skin disease, we can like see that. It's very visible. But with our mental and emotional health, uh, we can't often visually see it. So it's good to use these analogies. And I like the... The, um, you know, like when there's a rep that's just really heavy for us and we can't well, lift them. So many of us aren't using our brains. You know, I talk about the hard path and the easy path that it takes no effort or energy to go into that easy, destructive thinking where we're blaming or judging mm. or taking things personal, thinking things are fair and unfair, worst case scenario, all these cognitive distortions. It's so easy to use them. And so if the mind is a muscle, we're not, we're not exercising at all throughout our whole entire life, yet we're walking around with an expectation that I should be mentally healthy and resilient and able to overcome these challenges and all that stuff. So once again, the math isn't adding up. So with MindFit, that's, it basically does what it says. It's, it's, tr- it's getting people mentally healthier and fitter and stronger and, and exercising by doing those mental reps. When you, well, uh, There was one the other day. Um, Oh, what was it, this client? Oh, she sent me a text message saying, hi, Nick, I might be five minutes late. And I was like, no problems. And she she actually got there on time and she comes in. And she'd only had one session. She'd had her first um, discovery session. And then she came in for the first week of her six-week program. And she said, oh, my God, it works. And I'm like... What, what works? What's going on? What are you talking about? And she said, I jumped in my car, I went to the petrol station and filled up petrol and I saw my tyre was flat. And in the past, which is a tool I give them, I would have, oh no, and she would have gone to the worst case scenario. It's the worst, it's fucked, it's terrible, I'm not going to get there and beat herself up and blah, blah, blah. But after one session, she, the biggest thing she took away from the first session was that she doesn't have to be perfect. So she took all that pressure off herself and taking all that pressure off herself, she was able to stay more present and in the moment and solution oriented instead of problem oriented. And she was just like, right, um, there's no air in the tire. I need to drive to see Nick. What can I do? I can ring my sister. She lives close by. Hey, can I bring my car over, park it at your house and borrow your car? Yep, no problems. Jumped in her sister's car, came to a session. Like... These tiny little things happen every day, but people, until they're taught and trained how to do it, just don't usually have the capacity to handle and manage and not not let their emotions become severely disturbed by a flat tire. Yeah, and then and then things get take you get more problems because when you see it as a problem, you go into a uh, chaotic state and then you start creating more problems. And so it's like she, by, by able to calm that system down, she's able to take the right action and ended up not even late at all. It's like the um, the Navy SEALs, they're saying, uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So it's like if we, when they're, they're taught to actually do things slowly because it's methodical and they get to whatever they need to do, the objective way faster than if they were, let's do it, we've got to do it, we've got to do it, because that's chaotic and takes more time in the end. Yeah, but it, it, you go into your sympathetic nervous system, so you're in fight, flight, you're in survival mode. You, you're not actually conscious, you're not actually present, you're not in the driver's seat making decisions and choices. It's That's the anxiety in you that is, you know, it's the cortisol, it's the adrenaline, yeah. and you're going to make mistakes. And, you know, being yeah, being ex-military, because... I, I know exactly what you mean, and it's learning to stay more present. Well, that's equanimity. 
the definition of it is to stay calm and composed, especially in difficult situations. So whether it's, you know, you're in combat or whether it's service station and you've got to get to the next appointment, we need to train and condition our minds. It doesn't just happen. It's not human nature. We need to proactively train and condition our minds to stay here so we can think straight and see clearly instead of letting our mind turn into a bowl of spaghetti and then it's just yeah. it's fucked it is it is yeah because as soon as we go into survival we have low blood flow to our prefrontal cortex which means our thinking just gets more survival orientated out the window she goes out the window she goes all right therapeutic process nick let's talk about the first yeah. step so let's talk about someone who is maybe thinking about help let's i had this question yesterday on a um on a talk that i did and so one of the questions was and i'll get your opinion on it um they just said you know for someone who's kind of thought about or thinking about reaching out how do i know when is the right time to to reach out for help what a question all right if you're listening grab a notepad and pen uh, or your phone or write these notes down so i talk about there's five steps to change so the first one is awareness that there's a problem. The second one is acceptance that we need help. So the right time is when we move into acceptance. So I can't and you can't help anyone until they've gone, shit, there's an issue, they've got awareness and right, I need help with it. I can't change this by myself. So what that would look like is, um, you know, it's, it's a funny one. Everyone's tolerance levels are different as well. So it's, it's, it's not one size fits all. Someone can put up with something for much longer than somebody else. So it's really when we, when we hit enough's enough and um, yeah, what is it? The universe comes along and says, all right, I've got to create enough discomfort for you. Otherwise you never would have moved. And so we only change when the pain of staying where we are becomes greater than the pain involved in moving. So in terms of therapy, we need to be in enough emotional distress to override the anxiety of picking up the phone and speaking to someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's got to... Uh, the, the scales have to tip. So And that's going to be very different for everybody. So on the surface, it looks like, okay, you... But we're so good at using coping mechanisms to to mask and alleviate the, that emotional pain. So we'll start drinking more, we'll start eating more, we'll start binging Netflix more, we'll start gambling, pokey, smoking, drugs, whatever. Um, so if you if you notice that you're using any of those coping mechanisms more, then that's the first red flag, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, I my advice was, if you have had that thought then you should probably reach out for help. Because to me... If you've had that like, thought, maybe I need help. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you first, you must have had that thought recently that said, I probably should reach out for help. And then, then life goes on and then you're like, oh, then you're asking the question, at what point is that where I should get it? And I think you and I, Nick, always talk about, let's be proactive instead of reactive. Yeah. Now, and most people wait for the the wheels to be falling off the car and just it's like like barely pulling into the garage um to get Don't help wait till you're in a psych ward until the cat team yeah. turn up and then you think yeah maybe i should go and see someone now like, <laughs> that's unnecessary suffering to me correct and and so help you can't no one can help you until you are willing to help yourself 
Mm. So, um, and and yeah, and you deserve cool. it. I think that's where some people get caught up as well. You know, they might think, yeah, I should really reach out and, and speak to someone, and they think, you know, things aren't bad enough, or my life's okay from the outside. No, what, what 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 do you hear the most when the the number one reason people don't want to get help, whether it's speaking to a friend or family member or to a therapist? Well, there's reasons that I hear, and then I I see the real reasons underneath. A lot of people no, say hear? a lot of people a lot of people say other people have had it worse. Yep. So they compare. So they yep. compare. They compare what other people have been through. Um, a lot of else? guys say, oh, "Oh, there's it's nothing I can't handle by myself." Yep. That's, that's a beauty. That, that's an absolute beauty. I've been trying to work this out myself, and I can't. I'm like, that's because you're. Your, your mind got you into the problem. You're not going to be able to think your way out. <laughs> You're digging a deeper hole. Um, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, they think they're just going to come good. They think that yeah. things are like gradually, incrementally getting a little bit worse and they think that they're going to get better, whether it's, you know, I, I've got my holiday in two months' time and I'm going to Thailand for two weeks and that I'm going to... Oh, that'll fix it. You know, I'm getting, yeah. we're moving into a new place in, in two months and, and that'll fix it. So a lot of people... Something external will change so then that'll make yeah. me feel better. Yeah. Which, which we'll, when we get into what an actual session looks like, that's normally one of the first things I speak about with people, um, which we'll get into. So yeah, I hear... There's one more, there's one missing. I don't want to appear weak. Uh, that's sort of what you said earlier. Um, it's, I don't want to burden anybody. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be a burden. Everyone's got enough on their plate. I don't want to put any more, on, uh, you know. I don't want to be a problem for anyone else. And mm. it's such an interesting one because it's, I know, it's back to self-flagellation almost. It's mm-hmm. it's that oh, I'm I'm just going to suffer in silence. Um, it's almost I'm not worth, you know, being helped really and so if anyone's listening and any if any of those thoughts have come up in their head please acknowledge that they're not helpful they're not going to help you they're creating limiting um they're limiting your capacity to actually improve and and get healthier so and oftentimes we feel we feel comfortable in our suffering as well and we don't like to admit that that's something very very hard to admit but we feel comfortable in our suffering and we i think we know if I reach out for help I have to be vulnerable and I'm going to have to be uncomfortable thinking and doing things a different way and oftentimes we scurry back to that comfort of suffering as opposed to opening ourselves up and I think that's when we say because it's it's so funny the term that I want to burden other people I I had that thought when I started becoming a full-blown drug addict that I don't want to burden my mum and dad so I won't speak to them It's like, I, that was honestly what I felt. It's like, I don't want to burden them. Like, I can't let them, I don't want to stress them out and let them see what I've become. So let's just not talk to them for six months. That won't stress and burden them at all. <laughs> but that's, that's, that sums up. We are not thinking straight. We're not thinking no. logically and rationally. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a... It's a and so someone will say that, like, I don't want to burden you know, my my wife or something, but oh, by yeah. not addressing it, you're burdening her more. Yeah. Because over time, things you're going to treat her not as well, you're not going to treat yourself as well, the kids as well, and more drinking, all of this kind of stuff. So it's the opposite of what you're saying the excuse is. But then there's some people, there's a minority of people who go to the other end of the spectrum and they get addicted to the therapeutic process. They get addicted to talking about their suffering. Mm-hmm. And... 
um, you know, they'll be in therapy for 10 years every every week or every fortnight. I'm like, oh, it's terrible. What's, what are you guys yeah. doing in there? How much suffering have you experienced? How stuck are you? Just catching up for a chat. It's like you're just paying someone to be a friend for an hour a week. But I, yeah, and so there's a, I guess what we're trying to talk about here is finding a balance. And I, you know, we both talk about proactive. I help my clients through the initial program to get back to ground zero, as we call it. And then the, the maintenance program is all about keeping them on track. Uh, and work in that proactive way. So, and for me personally, I go and see my counsellor, Grant, because um, I like someone to run an ear over me. I, I can't mm. see the forest for the trees. So, it's it's like I don't want to experience a root canal. So I'm just going to go to the dentist for a checkup. That there doesn't have to be anything wrong with me. So I can go and talk uh, just about life. Yeah, there doesn't have to be a problem when I go. I, I go once a month, and and yeah, there's rarely ever an issue. But it's just good to go and you know, I walk away going, yep, my mind is still in good shape. Yeah, because you like you get a service. It's like you know, okay, there's nothing majorly wrong, but I've had the oil change, windscreen wiper fluids topped up, and um, I can walk out. I can purr. I can purr out of there, you know. But um, so like, well, let's link it back to physical because that's what we love doing. Yeah, it's like if if you've so my clients come in 100 kilos overweight, yep, and they do all these mental reps, and by the end of the program, they are in shape, they're healthy, they've lost all that excessive weight. They're not just going to go back to what they were doing and, and drinking and eating and laying on the couch and, that and just putting all that weight back on. That's not what we want to do. But the as biggest loser. Healthy, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you get healthy, you're not just going to stop. You're going to keep going to the gym. You're going to keep doing whatever it was that got you back into shape. So that's what the maintenance program is. It's like come back in once a month just for a, a tune-up session. Just make sure you, you're working hard enough to, to keep that mind in shape. And it's easy from then on yeah and I think for people like, if it's reaching out in the first place it's just like that person who had the question like oh you know I think I might need to reach out for help but how do you know it's the right time and I say it's the right time now because it's like let's when you, say when your pants you're, don't fit yeah like say, say you've gone up one belt size you put on five kilos and you're like oh, I think I should probably you know get my diet and exercise sorted out it's better to do it then then, like we said, make it 50 kilos, 100 kilos. But if, kilos you're, if you're listening to this, think of whether you're the person that would go, right, I'm going to reach out and hire a personal trainer or a nutri- I'm going to go and see a nutritionist um, or whether you think, right, I, I know how to do it. I'm just going to do it myself. It's, I, I, I talk about it in terms of working hard versus working smart. So paying a professional to assist you is going to work, help you to work smarter because you're going to become more knowledgeable and more empowered and have these tools for further down the track. If you keep thinking you can do it yourself, it's like me going, I want to build a house. Yeah, I'll give it a crack. I know about wood and there's <laughs> nails and I might need some concrete. I've in lived there. in one. Yeah. <laughs> I've walked past them every day. So it's yeah, if, it, if it's not in your skill set, even if it isn't your skill set, like I go and speak to someone. Like it's yeah. just, I, I I really would like people to 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 create a shift in the way that they perceive it. And it's not, it's it's not a cost. It's not a people say I can't afford it. 
as well. Mm. It's it's like it's if you're looking at it as an expense, you're doing it wrong. If mm. it's an investment in yourself, and I had one guy in particular, I made him add up all the money he was spending on cigarettes, um, alcohol, gambling, and all that, and he came back in, and, and I said, oh, I don't want to know the number, but can you n- afford my program? And he's like, yes, I can. Yeah, Probably yeah. three or four programs. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was using, spending so much money on these Band-Aids and coping mechanisms that he was thinking, I can't afford it, but he realised what he was spending there, he could actually invest in himself in a healthy way. Yeah, yep. And it's it can be hard to quantify for a lot of people, you know. For me, it, with a lot of clients, it, it's easy with drugs because someone's spending 300 bucks a week on drugs, like you're like the cigarettes and booze, you can quantify that, but we really just need to s- stop seeing it as an expense and an investment. It's like that, if you talk about, you know, good money management, you want to be spending money on things that appreciate in value and not things that depreciate in value. And if you keep doing that over time, you'll find yourself all of a sudden, oh shit, I'm in a really, really good financial position. Well, we need to just see that that mental health stuff it, it has a flow on to every other area of our life. Like it has a flow on to the way we eat food because we want to treat ourselves better. <laughs> These destructive habits that we want to put in, um, stop doing. So I think just seeing well, it as an investment sick, is sick so days important. at work, um, the relationships we're in, how, how, how we are with our kids and partners and family. And, 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 you know, the, the very first thing I talk about is the number one fundamental is priorities and if you're not prioritizing your mental and physical and nutritional health aka your well-being that ripple effect that you're going to put out is going to be in red one it's going to be negative and toxic and it's going to have a really detrimental effect on everything that's going on i had a, had a client years ago when I, before i even had programs and i figured out i could i've seen this dude for 12 months i could probably turn this into a program and, and, and package it and make it easier for people I said to him, mate, how much would you pay for this? And he's like, oh, I can hear him doing the calculation in his head. You know, he's counting up all the sessions we'd had and how much they were. And he said, oh, $1,000 or something. I said, okay, and what have you gotten out of this? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, how are you, how are you now compared to before? And he's like, well, I told you, I was a couple of weeks away from going broke and shutting my business down my missus was going to leave me I was going to end up in a psych ward I'm like alright so yeah, he's going to lose his kids and I said so how uh, how much would you put on all of that he's like well you can't it's, it's immeasurable it's, it's priceless I went but you did you just said it's a thousand dollars and he's like oh fuck oh you got me and I said alright so how much would you pay to not lose all of that stuff? And he said, well, I'd pay anything. And I yeah. said, there you go. All right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so, we have this, we're obsessed with this time and money thing. Like, it's, it's just- It's horrible. It is horrible. And we're just, we're so married to it. I would get it all the time with the center. Like we'd say, you know, program, you know, is this March? So, so how many sessions and how long do the sessions go for? How many infrared saunas? And I want to calculate all the hours and work out per hour. It's like, do you want to like get off drugs and not be suicidal? <laughs> like, like it's as, you're, you're you're already looking at this thing the wrong way. When I when I had my first session with Melissa, I remember because I went back. Obviously, I was staying at a bloody hotel with a bunch of other drug addicts, and I've come back and I've had this bloody religious experience, a rebirth, and um. Uh, and I, I was like, I was cautious because I was, I so wanted to explain things and I knew they wouldn't get it and I knew I had to just try and cut ties. And I, I remember now saying, 
um, that it was like amazing. Like, oh, how much was it? I'm like, oh, I was like, um, three hundred bucks. Like, three hundred bucks. My God, that's so much. And I said, and, and I yeah, <laughs> could have bought a half ball for that. What are you doing? <laughs> and I said at the time, and I it's funny because I haven't thought about this in a long time, and I still stick true to that. I said three hundred dollars. I said I would have taken out a mortgage and paid three hundred thousand for that. And they just thought I was being an absolute dickhead. I look back now, and I still hold very true to that statement. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's so I had to spend a year educating the market, you know, potential clients that I don't operate off a time for money exchange anymore. It's a time for value exchange, and I feel that's so much more respectful to the client I'm working with because I'm not don't just turn up and hand me cash out of your wallet and you know, for a, for an hour of my time and mm. an hour of your time it's just it's so archaic to me it's like right where you're at is point a where you're at is point b point b is vastly different to point a you know i've i've spent a lifetime creating a methodology that's going to get you from point a to point b let's value you and let's value me and let's value the whole bloody thing and just get to work and same i've got clients leave that say i would have paid 10 times what you asked because it's it was so valuable and it's a gift that keeps on giving it's like sets them up for the rest of their life which is the definition of an investment exactly exactly Let's, let's talk about the process now of actually reaching out. So let's say someone comes to a realization where they've just had the thought that they're getting a bit mentally and emotionally out of shape or like you said, they have noticed coping mechanisms getting a little bit out of hand, you know, drinking, drugs, cigarettes, uh, shopping, gambling, sex, food, all that kind of stuff and they, and they do want to get, out, uh, get help. What, what does that process look like from their point of view and from our point of view? Yeah, so picking up the phone, you know, speaking to a complete stranger it takes a a level of vulnerability and as a therapist that's the that's the first thing in my mind is this person is exposing themselves and and is being very vulnerable and so my role is to honor and respect that and i just want to go i tried booking for a medical appointment the other day and i heard the woman say ah the receptionist she's like Oh, when it works for you, I'm like, anything on Wednesday? She said, oh, I, I could maybe swap this around and I could maybe do this. And I was, I, my bullshit rate kicked in straight away. And I was like, you're so full of shit. Why do you have to fake it? Why can't you say, yeah, there's a point. Why do you have to make it out like she's really busy and, yeah. you know, you're doing me a favor by getting me in? There's, there's instantly rapport was broken yeah. and I didn't want to see her. So there's... I've discussed it before, those three keys to effective therapeutic outcomes and it's uh, the first one is rapport. And so as soon as someone sends an email, I, I don't want to really email them back. I want, to, I want a phone call. I want to speak to them. Hey, it's Nick. And um, I don't want to pretend I'm super busy and I'm booked out for weeks in advance or I've got a waiting list or anything. It's just so disingenuous and authentic to me. I'm exclusive. Yeah, fuck yeah. that. It's just, <laughs> I've got an hour here, come in. You know, it's it's going to be great. So whether they pick up the phone and ring, or usually it's word of mouth. So usually they've already got a level of comfort. Although you know, that farmer in New South Wales, his, his wife rang me and said, my husband's in real bad shape. Um, how can I get him in to see you? And I said, look, just 
put the podcast on, put the Woke Blokes podcast on in the kitchen uh, and just play it throughout the day and he'll come into contact with it and if it resonates with him he may start hanging around a bit longer listening to it, he may start listening to it while he's out on the tractor. I said no expectations, just expose him to this stuff, don't push him into it and lo and behold three months three months it took him of listening to you and me waffle on he rings me and says uh yeah i might need some help and i'm like yeah you beauty. the seed the and seed the seed uh funny he's a farmer the seed was planted yes. germinated until we got where well you it found to fertile ground yeah. and um yeah so when he rang me I, I had to be really gentle i was like mate you know great job of of reaching out you've 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 taken the hardest step. You know, it gets easier from here, although it's still going to be difficult. Um, and I just explained my process and said, look, there's no expectations or obligations. I said the first step is just have a 90-minute discovery session just so you can learn more about me and I can learn more about you and what are you bringing to the table. So instantly I'm already putting some accountability onto them. It's not, oh, I'm not here to fix you because mm. you don't want that. It's, mm. what are you bringing to the table? I, I want to hear how much underlying emotional intelligence you've got that isn't being tapped into. And if you just want me to wave a magic wand and fix you, then we're not going to work. It's no, you know, I'll refer you on. But if you go, yep, I'm willing to do what it takes, then bang, all right, well, here's your options. So that's that's what my process is like. Yeah, 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 great. Yeah, we would... Same thing. We run the like an initial consultation to really sit down and have a chat to the person, and it was so funny. Like at our centre, the amount of times I heard because you know someone would they'd book their free consult online, and you know they'd get all the details and everything, and then the next day you know come in, and the the amount of times they said I heard this time and time again, they'd walk up to our buzzer, you know the old office at the buzzer yeah. at the front, and they'd go fuck, and they'd walk away, <laughs> they come back fuck, walk away like four times. Why? Because they'd been in situations before where they'd walked into somewhere that was so clinical and they felt like, you know, they were, uh, they felt like they were judged. They felt like they were, yeah, like an inconvenience of the person's time, uh, which is, you know, like that booking experience that you had. Because they don't, they don't know what's on the other side of that door. Yeah, and it takes so much our vulnerability to to get out of your comfort zone and do that that we are we become very much more scared of being hurt or judged in that situation. Now, if they knew on the other side of the door is me, like waiting to give them a hug, or whoever it was, Melissa, yeah. Chanel, Denise, Heidi, um, then and and that was the response that we got. They're like, I finally came in, you know, like this, yeah. and then bang, they're like, Hey, you're you know, whatever we know their name, blah, blah, come here, come in, do a drink and give them a hug and all of a sudden everything can calm down. And then it's a process of chatting like with you do with the discovery session, you know, what's your story? Where are you at? You know, this is what we do. Yeah. Um, where do you want to be? And um, Every and, client that walks through the door, I, I respect them so much because of the strength it took for them to reach out. Because we, we had to, to do the same thing at one point and we exactly, know how fucking hard it is. Yeah. <laughs> But the biggest thing that comes back from my clients is, and you said the word before, there is no judgment from me. There, there's no good or bad or right or wrong. It's just, it is what it is, and every, you know, we're just going to work together to, to get you out of there. But I had had this 72-year-old client yesterday. He's an absolute ripper, this bloke. He's 10 weeks into his 12-week program, and he's, he goes, Nick, are you qualified to do what you do? <laughs> I'm like 10 weeks in and you're asking this um, 
And I said, yes, mate, I am. Why, why do you ask? And he said, well, and, and I'd never heard this. He goes, I've got this theory. It's the Titanic and Noah's Ark theory. I'm like, where, where are you going with this? And he said, the best accountant I've ever known wasn't a qualified accountant. The best architect I've ever known wasn't a qualified architect. And he said, all the experts built the Titanic and it sank on its first trip. And Noah, some dude, just built the ark and, uh, you know, <laughs> it great. 40 days or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, are you giving me a backhanded compliment here? And he's like, yeah, well, I've seen so many psychologists and psychiatrists. And he said, none of them have ever been able to help me to get to where I am and, and do what I've been able to do like you have. And I said, well, that, that's a lot. That's lovely. Uh, I'm very happy for you that you've experienced that and he said yeah but the difference is that you, you come at it from such a different angle you come at it much softer and gentler and kinder but you're also doing it with accountability and without but without judgment it's it's um and i think it's a really important quality to have in in helping people is to help someone feel safe and secure yet to help them to continually get out of their comfort zone as well it's a very fine balancing act it is it is but it's like it makes so much sense like it's like we i'm sure you get the same thing when i hear that from people i just love your different approach i'm like the fuck are other people doing <laughs> well, how is this a different or an alternative approach it just well, makes complete that, common sense to me the, the, i've learned what other people are doing and and there's so much i don't know and, and there's so many different fields and 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 so many more knowledgeable people than me doing amazing things so I'm never going to sit here and as I said throw stones at anyone but in terms of general mental health which is my area um, you know and in that depression and anxiety and and so on and so forth if if you go to a psychologist a lot of psychologists you're going to get Freud thrown at you it's going to be linked back to your mother it's going to be Skinner it's going to be you know it's going to be someone else's philosophy of what Mm -hmm. just someone else's opinion of what they think you know and and you're going to get put into a box and you're going to get labelled and you're going to get judged and it's going to be let's figure out who to blame and all right, da 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 And, and people just don't like that anymore I think so why I think there's this shift into the lived experience um, practitioners is because we are coming at it from that place of empathy and compassion and understanding um, mm. and that's probably our most effective tool I think yeah and that's why I for me look if I'm trying to you know learn something now or whatever it is I'll just jump online and find different okay online resources who do i feel really connected with who do i gel with and it's not a question of you know i don't want to see every qualification they've got i just want to know what their life's been like and what they've overcome and what they do now and i think and i think so many more people are doing that now if there's a real shift going on yeah yeah and it's it's for the better i think yeah 100 percent for the better Okay, so I think key takeaways, the reaching out for help is one of the most, I suppose, anxiety-producing ones, like picking up that phone. Um, I recommend, I thought it was really good what Shane said last week, you know, when he was really battling last year, end of last year, he reached out to his auntie 
who had you know been into a mental health clinic a couple of times and really struggled with depression and he he went around there and sat down with her and just said okay what are our options who can we call and that really helped with the the reaching out process so I think I encourage people as well whether it's a, a friend or a family member find someone who maybe has you know not been through the exact same thing because no one has but been through something similar and they can call it a sort of take a little bit of that load and help bring the anxiety down and that might be someone that you speak to all the time maybe it's a friend or family member that you haven't spoken to in week uh, months or years but you reach out and say hey auntie so-and-so she went to that clinic like years ago maybe i'll just reach out to her and all of a sudden you can you can it can help with with that taking those steps well, sometimes it's easier to talk to someone we don't know because they're objective and we don't feel that they're going to judge us. So many people don't speak to a family member or a friend because it's that fear of judgment. Mm. And so, yeah, we need to do better in And that's why I think helping. if we can... If we can find, like, it's like we're, we're trying to get in touch with someone who, yeah, we don't know who's going to give us professional help and all that objectivity. But I think, I think if we can, using someone, if that's really, really, we're finding that step difficult, using someone to help us be that bridge and, you know, sort of maybe hold our hand in that process. Yes, and as it's so much of all of my work basically is, is word of mouth and it's because someone's talking about their experience with me and it resonates with whoever they're talking to it about and the person will go oh i was experiencing that oh maybe maybe i should maybe i should go and see nick and the person's like oh oh, well here's his card here's his number if you want to but it's their idea to come and do it they're not being forced into it yeah yeah i think that yeah like so many people we just we just need a bit of help with certain things certain thinking styles certain things that have happened in our past the amount of times like people would come in for that initial consultation and they're let's say they're a drug addict or they've just come out of a psych ward or whatever it is and their sister or their mum or their partner have come along to support them because it's very they didn't want didn't want to go themselves and they've sat through that in that initial consultation session and we've chatted about things and say okay look i think this is where you're blocked this is where we can you know move past it and this is how we'll do it and then it's funny the amount of times that the person who was came there for support is like I need to do this as well. <laughs> I, had a, because, I, had a bring a, yeah. I had a mum bring her daughter in and then two days later she rang me and said, can I bring my other daughter in? Yeah. And then two days later she said, can I book myself in? So all of a sudden I've got the whole family. The family dynamic. <laughs> and that 72-year-old bloke that I was speaking at, he and his wife first came to see me to get help how to deal with their son who's struggling with drugs mm-hmm. um, and two sessions sitting talking to them I picked up on all their unhelpful thinking styles and all their red flags and very gently reflected it back to them and now they're <laughs> they're both doing individual 12-week programs and he keeps laughing and saying I'm still every time I turn up it's amazing that I came here with help on dealing with my son and you helped me to realise I've got a lot of shit I need to work on. It's not actually about my son, it's about me. And I'm like, that's that's how we yeah. work. Yeah. I got to read, I, I posted yesterday, um, so myself and, and my colleague Matt Nettleton, we uh, have done the Family of Addicts course, online course, and really... The, the whole gist of this whole online course, you know, there's, there's lots of videos, there's questions, all this stuff is around this family member, we have to own all these parts in ourselves and get clear before we worry about dealing with 
you know, our, our loved one. And we have to let go of the notion that we're trying to fix them. Okay. Mm. And um, that's like, this, like you said, that's the whole message. And we got a comment. I'll just read it out now uh, on the course. And this is the exact, it just, it just makes my heart sing. Cause I love when, cause a lot of people, we have to be gentle. Cause a lot of people don't want to hear that. Like that mum and dad you spoke to, it's just, we have to be gentle. Cause their initial reaction would be, no, fuck off. My, my son needs to get fixed. It's not about me. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, it's yeah. it fills my heart with joy when people own their part, because then we know oh, totally. the, the, the chances of a better well, then result. We can work with them. Yeah. Yeah. And so this comment we got was, uh, uh, this was such an insightful conversation, really deepened my understanding. I saw so much of my previous self in what you both talked about from the addict perspective. And I've never even tried any illicit drugs or been dependent on alcohol. I was addicted. Now I realize to work and achievement and helping slash rescuing as a way of trying to avoid my pain. Thank you both for this conversation. It really grabbed my heart. So much more to learn. And it's like, that's that's this ownership that we, oh, well, we speak oh, about on so many podcasts. Yeah, me too. It gives me goosebumps. Oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, really beautiful. So, that's the process that's the of... Re- it's, 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 we're not trying to change a person. We're not trying to change who people are. We're just trying to help peel away all the stuff that's not helping them be their genuine, authentic self. So, it's... Um, yeah, it's just so nice when you've got someone that comes in and, it, and it is willing to allow their true self to be revealed and they, they understand that before I can be of help to anyone else, I need to be in good shape myself. Yeah, just like the uh, all the writing and stuff we were talking about at the start. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I think with that initially reaching out, like a lot of places like me and you, like we will have initial chats with people, you know, before they come in. Some places, maybe if you're just seeing a psychologist, you mightn't be able to have an initial chat and you'll just book a first session, whichever it is, whether it's a consultation, a phone call or a session. Um, I really encourage people to just go and experience the person that you're possibly going to work with and then make and then if it's multiple places I always said to people who come in for a consult they're like we're thinking about this maybe inpatient rehab or mental health I'm like go to them all like go to them all and check them out and just get a real feel for it and then you'll know wherever you feel most comfortable is where you're going to feel most comfortable to be open and where you're going to get the best results I'd temper that with don't go for the one that's going to be the quick fix though. Don't go for the magic pill or the magic cure or the magic wands. If, if any of them say that they can cure you, then then that's, you know, that's a red flag. There's a red yeah. flags of, of what to look out for. That's also like illegal as well, so <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> you know, like if, if you go to a, a practitioner and it says, oh, yeah, no, you'll be fine, uh, you know, we'll, da, 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 we'll, we'll have you out in no time it's we're gonna do the work yeah yeah 100 percent. so um yeah and and we've spoken about this on previous shows but it's so important that we know how much it takes to finally reach out it's like you've you finally let go and reached out and if we have experience that isn't ideal in that first session or whatever it was then we'll tend to run back and go oh fuck that i'm not going to get help it's so important to remain open and just say okay there's different fields of psychology, hypnotherapy, counseling, therapy. There's also different practitioners within those subcategories. And there's just, there's so much going on and you will find someone uh, who you gel with. You just have to keep trying. Well, it's like, you know, if you're looking after your physical health, there's going to be effective and non-effective personal trainers out there. There's going to be some that you resonate with just because of the energy exchange. 
Um, that could be as simple as it is. You could just instantly feel comfortable and connected with this person. It may not be anything that they particularly say. Then that's going to be the good fit for you. So it's find the right vehicle to get you from point A to point B. Don't just turn up to the first one and go, oh, it's crap, and you know, then decide I'm not even going to try and go on a journey. Don't don't mm. do that to yourself. Yeah, yeah, don't step off the path. Like you've taken this massive step to say, okay, I'm on this path now. Um, please don't step off it. <laughs> Stay on it because it's worth it. Yeah, but, but also listen to what other people are saying. That's why it's important to reach out and speak to family and friends. They're going to be the first sort of stepping stone to get you to help because they're going to say, I went and saw Nick, I went and saw Ryan, I went and saw Mike, Bob, Dave, Tracy, Louise, whoever, mm-hmm. and you know, this was my experience with them. And so it'll go, okay, well, you had a really positive experience. I might go and try it. It's like a restaurant, you know. It's mm-hmm. a, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about going out for dinner f- tonight. Oh, I went to this place last week. It was amazing. It was wonderful. I had a great time. All right, cool. I might go and check it out. Yep, check it out. It doesn't mean you won't go to restaurants ever again if it isn't great. Yeah, if you go yep. there and have a bad experience, you go, oh, it's not enough to come back here, but there's another restaurant across yes. the road. I might try that one. 100%. Okay, I love that. Let's now transition into what a session looks like. Because I think a lot of people have an idea in their mind that they have, you know, someone with their their clipboard and glasses down at the end of their nose, sort of looking down their nose at them and just taking notes while this person speaks. So maybe we want to break down some of those myths around what an actual session for dealing with our mental health looks like. Oh, God, I can hear my clients are already going, he's a fucking weirdo. (laughs) He's just... He'll, he'll sit there and he'll be listening and all of a sudden he'll jump up, he'll grab a texture and he'll start drawing on his whiteboard. I've got this massive whiteboard in my yeah. office and, and I'll just be like, all oh, right, and then this and then that. And we just really get into it and we really sort of drill down into it. Um, you know, my clients talk about how they love walking through my door and, and feeling there's a no bullshit filter. Mm. So they'll walk in and I'll say, you know, da 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 da. And, what that built no bullshit filter means is I'll I'll hold them to account, and so I often say to my clients, I I care and about you enough and love you enough to tell you what you need to hear, not just tell you what you want to hear. I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna take you outside of your comfort zone a little bit, but I'm gonna do it safely and securely. But I'm 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 not gonna enable you to stay in your shitty patterns and your shitty thinking. I'm gonna call you out on that stuff, and because that's what life's doing, isn't it? Life's yeah, just, and socially in themselves, there's letting those stories continue. Yeah, but not, nothing changes if nothing changes. So if I just sit there and nod and go, oh, yeah, no, that sounds terrible. Oh, oh, well, oh, it's terrible that they did this to you. That mm. mm, doesn't work for me. I'm going to go, uh, like, it sucks that it happens and you wouldn't wish it upon anyone, but it has happened. We can't change it. But what we can change is how you feel about it and how you perceive it and how you go moving forward as a result of having been through it so let's let's figure that shit out yeah let's let's take ownership yeah very very yeah. similar from my point of view you know we do I think you, you call discovery i do an audit on someone's mental and emotional state and also their life because we don't do that we very rarely sit down and say all right what's happening in all areas of my life what's happening with my thinking my emotions my relationship my work let's really get into this stuff and most people haven't done that in years if ever <laughs> right and like like we've spoken about so much before it's like i i want to be happy i demand that i have life make me happy yet i'm not going to spend any time looking at my life and what actually makes me happy and then um for me it's about explaining that you know look we we experience three things in this thing called life 
we experience events that happen. So that's things are happening out here that get filtered in through my senses and there's shit happening all the time. There's people, places, situation that are happening. We know that. Second thing we experience is thoughts. So this thing up here generates words and images and it doesn't seem to shut up very often. It keeps narrating my existence. We know that we have thoughts. And the last thing is our emotions. We know that we feel things. If we pay real attention, we'll know that we're feeling something all the time, but normally we really notice it when we're at the extremes. Right? Hang on, do you say men have feelings too? No, no, this is just, just women, women I'm talking about. No, 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 oh, men don't. right, because uh, men don't have feelings, do they? <laughs> Or emo- these emotions or anything? They don't have them. No, no. As I said, oh, just women. Phew, was, just women. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, thought it was a bloody Sheila then. No, no, blokes, just tune out. Like, t- turn the podcast off. We're not talking about you here. This is yeah, just ladies. Yeah. No. <laughs> I said to someone the other day, if you've got a, a physical body, you have physical health. I said, if you have a mind and a brain, then you have mental health. And they sat there and they were just, can you say that again? <laughs> if you've got a body, you have physical health. If you've got a mind, you have mental health. But isn't mental health for people in psych wards? Yeah. Like, oh, this is That's what we're dealing me- with. Mental illness. With. Yeah, this is what we're dealing with. Okay, anyway. Yep, moving forward. Sorry, I've That's just it. got my, my, my 10 o'clock chat trying to enter our, enter our meeting. <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> They're okay. Keen as Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring them in. Oh, no, I've got fourteen. I've got 14% battery on my laptop too. Okay. So well, let's let's up. let's get. So so I tell people there's there's three things that we notice, right? Our events, thoughts, yeah. and emotions. Now, what happens? We go through our life and we don't pay too much attention to our thoughts and emotions. We simply think they're us and we're playing them out. And then events happen in the world which cause disturbances in those two. And because we uh, don't like that or it's uncomfortable, we start just trying to change at the events in our life. And that's why we're always searching for the next thing. We're always searching for maybe I need a different job, maybe I need a different girlfriend, maybe I need more money, maybe I need that new car. And then the issue is whenever we get the new car, it works a little bit. And that's a, that's a problem. I wish it didn't because that's a problem. When it works a little bit, we're like, ah, it's not that quote at the end of last week's episode. It's like that that fleeting happiness we get when we get that thing that we're looking for is just the end of desire. It's just delight, desirelessness in that moment and letting our happiness come it's just forth. just a little burst of dopamine. A little it? burst of dopamine, which goes away and then we obviously need the next thing and then people yeah. live their life that way. If but we start to... Yep. The definition of, of happiness is to be content and yet we have these attachments to desires and desired outcomes or we have attachments to aversions and not wanting that or this to happen. So we can't be happy and, unless we create contentedness within ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Content. I don't even like the word happy. I love the word content though, even though they mean the same thing because yeah. content is just <sighs> everything's fine. Yeah. It speaks of inner peace and and calmness and serenity and happiness is is usually so outsourced and external and getting what you want and it's fleeting. Happiness tends to be fleeting. It tends to be very fleeting. And so a lot of the that, that work is saying, okay, let's work on these thoughts and emotions. Let's work on what emotions that we're not able to let go of that we've been holding on to from whenever. What are these thinking styles that we need to change up and new new neurological pathways we need to lay because as soon as we get that stuff sorted, then those events in our life, which we've spoken about this many times, they start to look very, very different. And that doesn't mean we don't make changes in our life, but it just means that we're looking at things from a much better filter. Yes. 
Well, we, I think we both work in such very similar ways, but with different different methodologies, slightly, I think. Yeah, but because because it. we've had different experiences, and we, what? I think, and I, think, <laughs> yeah, we have, and uh, and profound. so, and that's and. And that's why it's so important just to find that person that you're like, hey, this is a person I feel comfortable with. This is a person that I can open up to. And this is a person that I'm willing to do the work with and have this this uh, relationship with, you know, because that's what it is. It's, it's this relationship where where it's not some codependent relationship. It's a relationship where we are going to challenge the way that you've been thinking and feeling because we want something better for you and because you want something better for yourself. I, uh, I was chatting to my counsellor last week and he said... Does your girlfriend realise that she's in for a lot of growth in a, being in a relationship with you? <laughs> I said, I don't know what she thinks, but uh, <laughs> I hope she enjoys the ride. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's not all the time. I'm not challenging all the time. It's, it's, but there are moments where you can catch it and you're so tuned into it and you go, Oh, that person's blocking themselves there. That person's limiting yeah. themselves there. That person's causing themselves pain there. And yeah. you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to therapize my family and friends and girlfriends. So, but but sometimes in the course of a relationship or a partnership, you, you need to challenge people because that, that's where the growth really lies. So, hundred percent. I just love it when I get a client that comes in and just hands themselves over to the process and is just. Let's go completely. Says Nick, I'm in your hands. I'm like, let's let's let's, let's take this puppy for a ride. Yeah, yeah. It's this uh, allow. I love I love when someone comes in with that energy of just I'm allowing this to happen and I'm engaged in it. It's it's a really beautiful process and mm. it doesn't have to be scary. Yes. People, but this idea that it's going to be scary and hard, but it's it's also you know I'm sure you do as well. I have a lot of laughs in your sessions. I think humor is oh. very important. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. All right, let's wrap it up. If uh, you guys listening have any questions about the therapeutic process or the reaching out process, if you have any questions, uh, shoot them through. Like DM us on Instagram. Just do that. It's the easiest way. Woke Blokes Podcast, uh, the Center for Healing or MindFit. That's MindFit with a Y because it's my mind. I learned that from last week's show. (laughs) You're so learned and wise. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, everyone. Um, yeah, and if you listen to the show, give us a give us a review. You know, we get all these comments, people saying it was a great episode. We'll bloody go and review it for God's sake. Scroll down on your podcast yeah. app, give us a five stars, and just give us a give us a review. If you review, then we'll uh, we'll or read four. your review out. That's four stars. I'll take four. Um, no, I'll take five. Oh, so demanding. I'm a none or a, I'm a none or a five guy. I'd be. I, I don't know if I could ever give a four. All or nothing. Yeah, just I'm, give it. Uh, give it what you think. It's your stars. So whoever's listening, yeah. just give it. Give it. Give it what you stop think. Stop telling them what to do for us. We'll receive one, two, three, four, or five, and we'll be grateful for any of them. And there'll be as long as it's matched with some constructive feedback. Thank you. Not just, yes. It was fucked. Yeah. That's not very constructive, is it? No, not super constructive. No. <laughs> All right. Can't we'll see you all next week. Peace out. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.